25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And Laura, we were supposed to do this yesterday, but my body was like, no, no, no. You need rest because tomorrow, tomorrow is going to be a day. And my body served us right because today, as we record on Thursday, has been a day in Blue Jackets land, Laura. Yeah, um, it had already been a pretty eventful week uh, in Blue Jackets lands. And, you know, we had discussed it last night um, about whether or not we were going to record and you were pretty sleepy and I had been doing some traveling and all that sort of stuff. And so we just decided that we'd put it on hold to tonight um, only to basically wake up in the morning and find out that just days after his 11th anniversary Yarmo Kekalainen has been removed from duties as general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Insane. Yeah. I mean, truly the timing could not have been any crazier. And so with that, we are glad that you are listening to us on a Friday. Uh, we hope is when you're listening and that the Blue Jackets haven't come out with any other earth shattering news so far on this Friday and that everything is still somewhat in the news cycle and that everything you listen to over the course of the next hour or so is still pretty relevant. Fingers yes. crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But Laura, outside of all the chaos of hockey that we're going to talk about, how are you doing, my friend? How are things this week in Laura's world? Oh, you know, just not a great, great week, but that's okay. It's, it was expected. It, this wasn't supposed to be a great week. So, um, yeah, just a lot of ups and downs, a lot of <laughs> random crying, which results in people being very sweet. Um, but, uh, yeah, so not great, but we're hanging in there. And Blue Jackets news is definitely keeping me be preoccupied so that's um helpful but also kind of stressful at the same time yeah it's been yeah you have to admit that it's been somewhat differently uh engaging <laughs> to, yeah. to be a part of this go around than maybe normally well and I'm, re I'm really having to dig deep into like my uh marketing and communications degree and like remember you know the proper rules of things to go on how to go about them and just stuff like that which is important to us we always want to make sure that we're um you know when we're saying things that we're saying things that we you know believe in and that are factual and all that sort of stuff so um but yeah it's been it's been wild, but do you, should I introduce them to Diego? You can, uh, you can. This is usually when I get my cue that like this should be video content. So I'm now <laughs> like, so I'm like in my mind telling myself to be ready to cue this. But I've been told that this is our new podcast mascot. So yes, he doesn't have his uniform on yet, but so on. he's in the nude. <laughs> Diego is nude. 
just entirely the saber tooth tiger that is Diego. He is massive. Hold on, let me put my headphones back on. <clears throat> this is a big fucking tiger. Yeah, he can't really fit in the screen. Well, you know. But this is Diego. <laughs> Ridiculous. Gigantic emotional support saber tooth tiger. Oh my god. Who will eventually have a subjectively speaking shirt on. Um, but no, I mentioned random bouts. Of- Did you just throw him? No, I just placed him on the bed. Okay, it looked a little violent. No, he's fine. I just I'm calling Peta. <laughs> he's fine. Um, no, I mentioned to you random bouts of crying, and uh, Diego is the result of I was in a Walmart last week with one of my friends, and we were going through the Valentine's Day stuff, and I saw Diego, and he made me cry, and she was like, "It's okay." But also, you don't need him. And also, you're kind of being ridiculous. (laughs) And so, two days after that, I told friend of the podcast, Megan, about this story. Because I thought I was being ridiculous and it was funny. And she would find it funny. And she did. But then she also thought, I need to buy Laura this. Then she also thought, I must enable Laura. (laughs) So her and her very appeasing boyfriend, Reese, went to a Walmart and found me a Diego. And yeah, he rode shotgun with me up to my dad's house yesterday. Um, And a woman at CVS thought he was a walrus. um, And we were offended. So the we there is really important. But we there was heard by everybody, just so we're just so we're clear. And I just want to hear everyone's um, sar- like sarcasm from my co-host and best friend, who knows probably that I should have had one of these a long time ago. Yeah, this is probably good for you. But yeah, that's Diego. He's gonna get a subjectively speaking shirt. If I ever actually set up my um, studio at my house, he'll just sort of sit in the background. That'll be his lair. Yes, it is a basement. So, um, but yeah, he's been providing me some joy. Love that. But how are you doing? I'm pretty good other than being tired. I think my body is still like somewhat trying to shake being a little sick. I feel like you can maybe hear it in my voice still a little bit. Like I'm still a little raspy and I feel like I keep clearing my throat every now and again. Um, So apologies if I still sound gross, but. No, I mean, I'm generally doing pretty well. Um, I am just so sick of the snow, which is a downer because it's February 15th, which in West Michigan does not mean that winter is nearing an end by any means. And so we're just, fingers are crossed that it's not too bad for the rest of the way, but I'm just so tired of it. But I made a choice. (laughs) And you did. You did choices, make a choice. Choices have consequences, and here we are. So I may or may not have tried to talk you out of said choice, but yeah. But I mean, like the unemployment line was longer than I wanted it to be. So, um, no things. Things are good though. I am just kind of vibing. I got my apartment all cleaned up the way I wanted to last weekend, and so this weekend is a pretty chill weekend for me. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to just kind of enjoy. Uh, some fun. I do have a work event on Saturday night, 
so that'll be uh, a little bit of a late evening. But other than that, I'm just trying to. I'm just. I got like a exciting side hustle email this week, which was fun. And I'm gonna like hold on to that and like not like say too much about that. Um, but that was fun, and yeah, but I know I'm, that I'm very proud of him. And this is very exciting, and he's gonna do great. She's very kind, so we're we're hopeful for that. But yeah, no things are things are good. I, I don't really have a lot going on. Things are pretty like normal, I guess. Like I don't have anything of note. No, just dealing with me and my shenanigans. Well, your shenanigans are just my favorite, so <laughs> I love to deal with them. And you're a saint for it, so. Your saint producer friend is going to kill you if you don't stop rubbing your hands next to the microphone. I'm now. sorry, I'm cold. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, Laura, I, as much as like you're talking about how much I have to deal with your shenanigans, I'm frankly far less concerned about dealing with your shenanigans right now, and I'm far more worried about dealing with the shenanigans of the hockey team that you and I both love and cover, and that is the Columbus Blue Jackets because the shenanigans are real. It has been an eventful week, I would say. Like, I, I don't really even know how to quantify the amount of time for which things have been eventful. I mean, really, it feels like, like it's been three uneventful. days. Yeah, but I mean, like, even longer than that, really. Like, if you want to, like, actually, like, take a look at, like, what life has been like for us and, like, all this kind of stuff. It's been about uh, two or three weeks, I think, probably. Yeah. Um, in, the, in this cycle of things, it's yeah. been two or three weeks. But, I mean, obviously, largely in what we'll talk about today. You know, the course of, um, you know, the larger knowledge sphere, the last 24 to 72 hours of just pure chaos and ultimately like some good takeaways, some bad takeaways, some just like utter disbelief in some of the takeaways. And we're going to touch on it all, I guess. Like, I mean, like you kind of got to like when you sign up to be podcasters, right? So we're going we're gonna to start with the one that Laura alluded to a little bit earlier, and that was the dismissal of Yarmulke Kekalainen from his duties as uh, the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and that was after 11 years. And, I, you know, it's interesting because, I, you know, you think about all of the people that we've talked to, like, on our show. Yarmo is the first guest that we have had, right? Like, if you think, like, am I wrong in saying this? Is he the first guest from the Blue Jackets that we have had that's no longer in their role or like a part of the team? Oh, oh, okay. Now I understand what you're asking me. Um, yeah, yeah. Damn, I I would have lost that bet. I never would have guessed that he would have been the first one. I mean, like it's uh, from all like the prospects we've gotten a chance to talk to at Traverse City, and then you know different and, players I mean, within the organ people Andrew, within the organization. And, like Andrew Peak is still holding Andrew strong. Peake, the, he's going to be the new boy that lived, but. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, it's just been, uh, you know, it's an interesting day, you know, and I, I tweeted out from our, our account earlier, you know, obviously we're going to have a lot of thoughts on it and, and we're going to dive into those here on the show, but, you know, obviously you have to recognize that the blue jackets are where they're at now. And like, that includes the good, bad and the ugly, right? Like because of Yarmo Kekalainen and because of the 11 years that he gave to this organization and also that like the timing of this, like to some people maybe doesn't make sense, but like when you're this close to the, to the trade deadline and 
you know that you've got some pieces that have been out there and floated out there and you've got a general manager that's maybe trying to do something to save his job. Like maybe you're nervous about what he might do. And if you know that's not the general manager of the future, you have to make a decision to make sure that he doesn't do something that's going to define it. And, you know, it sounded like JD had a hard time making the decision. I, I think a lot of people are in agreement that it's the right one, but it doesn't mean that it's still not a day of, uh, really bittersweet reflection, I think, for a lot of people in the fifth line. But ultimately, I think it's a decision that a lot of people were kind of waiting to see. It wasn't an if, but a win. And the win was, uh, you know, the day after Valentine's Day. It was it was February 15th, uh, a little bit over, like you said, 11 years after he started on the gig. And so, Laura, just what were your initial reactions when it happened? I mean, like you said, kind of chaotic uh I, steven shrek was the person who taught who told me um he and it just said yarmo and i was like oh he had to have gotten fired like what else would he have said like why else would he have said that to me and so i rushed to twitter and and sure enough of course but what was your initial reaction just uh your initial thoughts to yarma being fired and then just like kind of as it began to sink in like what did it all begin to mean and as the day went on you know what were your thoughts well, in similar fashion, you were the one who told me. I and... love when I do that. It's like my favorite. It's like a fucking reward every time. It's like my favorite. It's like the dopamine rush that I can't even describe to you. Because there became a moment where, like, there was a switch in this whole situation where, like, I became the person who didn't tell you things and you became the person who told me things because I no longer have the capacity to be on my phone. And you were, like, it became, like, exciting to you to, like, learn I the things. I also like... had very little going on at, those, at that point. Too, no, so. but there was a, there was a there was like a, a pivot point. There was an inflection point for you where it became scary to know those things before I did, and like so, like you hit a point where like you became interested in learning those things before I did, and since then my life has been more chaotic and scary, but I've learned to manage. But anytime I can break news to you, it's like my fu- it's my crack. I love it so much. Oh, I'm obsessed. Well, congratulations. Um, so, and I've also, we've developed since doing the show, we have developed a way of like, if something happens, instead of giving like full details, we just type out a, a phrase or a, which is how, which is caps. because, and it comes from, if I don't think that I can get out the full thing before you'll read it on Twitter, <laughs> I will just say, so I think I've just probably said what, like what the fuck Yarmo or something like that. I don't even like, think you said Yarmo. Actually, hold on. Let me look. I don't even think you said right, Yarmo. We're going to the booth. Did I just say what the fuck? It's probable that I just said what the fuck. Um, you said oh fuck. Oh, in fuck. all caps. Yeah. And then I immediately went to our Twitter page. Because you knew. Because I knew. And then I just responded with oh my god. In all caps. Right. Um... But yeah, I was, I mean, I assumed that this was going to happen at some point, um, just because of how this season got started, how it's been going, um, just all the various issues that the team has had, both on the ice, in the front office, like in the locker room, um, in these types of scenarios, like if the ownership is really wanting to turn things around, that's when heads are going to start to roll. And that's when things are going to have to shift in order to make 
these very necessary changes. Um, it's also just a very bittersweet moment too, for me, because I, you know, I learned how to manage a hockey team under Yarmo Kakalainen's like tutelage. Like everything I know is about is through the decisions that he's made, you know, in the last seven years that I've been a fan, six or seven years that I've been a fan. Um, and, you know, I haven't always agreed with the decisions that he's made. Cough, cough, trading Cam Atkinson. But, you know, I've, I've learned to understand the deeper parts of what goes into making those sorts of moves and like how you have to think about that as a business, how you have to think about the future of the organization and how you have to, you know, you have to really know how to balance your assets and all that sort of stuff. And all that stuff is what I learned from Jeremy, obviously, but also what I learned from, you know, watching Yarmo and his team make these decisions over the last six years. Um, and yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Like I, I would not have like, Envision if you would have asked me if you would have said a million dollars, um, name something crazy that would happen this week, I would not have come up with Yarmo Kekalainen being fired. It just like, and there's a part of me that kind of just like it feels anticlimactic in some ways, and maybe that isn't fair. Like, it just like feels like I don't know, like nothing really has happened. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, nothing has really changed about where the Blue Jackets are at. Uh, you know, there hasn't been a preemptus to this that we didn't already know about, right? Like the team is just as bad today as they were in December. Uh, there's not like, it's not like anything has really changed in that regard. So, you know, it's not like you could say, well, like, you know, things have gotten worse since then. So we just decided to pull the plug then. It's like, arguably, like you could say that things have gotten better since then. Uh, you know, I mean, that would, that would be a rough argument, but like you could argue it. And so, I mean, it's just one of those things where, uh, yeah, I, it's just, you maybe don't expect it to come because you had so many other opportunities this year, this summer, even where it could have happened and it didn't. And so therefore, uh, you know, you just expect that it's an off season move, but it's not apparently. And I think it makes sense. The timing of it makes sense. Like I said, especially if you really do believe that you are not going to continue on this path with your Amakakalainen, like you don't want him to be the guy who's going to be making some really big decisions about your future. I mean, there are some decisions to be made this summer, right? Like, I mean, like, and there are decisions to be made about young guys who, frankly, like, have fit they fit the profile of a player that Yarmakalinen has kind of funneled the bag with in the past. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you're talking about renewing contracts for players like Cole Sillinger, Kent Johnson, Kirill Marchenko, like right, like you're starting to talk about players that are players that like that contract has been hard for Yarmakalinen to sign in the past. And so uh and if it hasn't been hard for him to sign at least it always seems like there's some sort of animosity at the end of it. And so maybe that's part of it, right? Like maybe it's those negotiations weren't going well. And it was like, a, you know what, instead of this, we just have to go a different way uh, at the general manager spot. And so we'll see what all that amounts to, but uh, you know, that's that you're not even talking about transactions at that point. Like you're just talking about straight up. Like, what are you doing with your assets? Mm. We haven't even gotten into the transactions of like, what are you going to do with the deadline? Because you've got a lot of pieces that you could make decisions with based on rumors that are out there. 
so it's it, it makes sense to some extent uh, you know the the duties of the general manager being split up amongst various personnel within the front office uh, you know so that doesn't necessarily surprise me it's just the timing of it all is going to make it make the trade deadline interesting I mean what are your thoughts on how this is going to affect the trade deadline yeah, I think um, you sort of hinted at it uh, a little bit ago, but like one, if you're again, if you were not planning to move forward with Yarmo like in the off season, um, and you've got this sort of big thing um, for the Blue Jackets, where the Blue Jackets could make some big deals, um, which is the trade deadline coming up and you've got a person who we know was actively working on trades and all this sort of stuff. Um, and who probably very much so knew that their job was on the hot seat and things were not getting better. Um, like I think it was the right decision to do it now to stop any potential, like, insanity like to stop any potential like gigantic weird deal that like gets us one player but we have to get rid of six like you know all these sort of like just crazy situations that you know a person could put themselves in because they don't want to lose their jobs um and i also think that he may have been more willing to part with certain pieces that the rest of ownership and management and those actual people and players did not agree. Um, I think Boone Jenner is on that list as Boone came out this week actively saying that he does not wish to be traded. Um, he wants to remain in Columbus and continue to see this through. Um and so I think there was some potential there that like maybe conversations weren't being had in like a respectful manner or like in consideration of other things. And like, so you just got to cut that loose before another bad thing happens because we've had a lot of bad things happen. Ha have we? <laughs> That's weird. I haven't heard of any of those before. So strange. And, you know, it was it was time, but I think it's gonna I think it's gonna make it interesting. I think hopefully it makes the trade de deadline a place where we can get rid of. Sounds terrible. We can place we can put aside some people that we've been trying to handle for a while and have not been able to. Um, and I'm not talking. We, we're not talking at all about goaltending this episode, but it's not going to be Elvis. People. Well, we can. No, I mean, we might talk about goaltending this episode. There's no guarantee that we won't. Um, it just, we won't because it would, fuck, it would fuck up so many things unless we got another goaltender in exchange. I mean, but that's, but that's besides the point. Um, yeah. So like the Emil Bemstrom's, the you know, potentially Jack Rosovics, you know, the Andrew Peaks of the world. Like, we just sort of need, and they could be assets on other teams, teams that are looking to do a playoff push. 
Um, but so we'll see. It's very up in the air now, in my mind. It could be super dramatic and it could be pretty boring for us. And they'll wait until the off season to do a bunch of things. I, I think this deadline has turned into and it has shifted, and I think it needs to into being a deadline that it becomes all about anybody who has expiring deals more than anything. Like, and that would include, I think some of your RFAs, like I do think that you could include um, <clears throat> those players in that, but like, I don't know that I would say that, you know, hockey trades are up for debate. I think at this deadline for the blue jackets specifically, because again, if you're going to do, you know, it's been referenced by, by John Davidson, you know, you're going to start strictly external for this for this search for a general manager. You're going to bring somebody out from the inside or no, excuse me, in from the outside. Totally the opposite. Totally the opposite. You know, then you're going to, you know, have a guy who's going to or or a woman. Uh, that would be badass, wouldn't it? Uh, so I'd be pumped. That is going to be potentially looking to put together a team that, you know, isn't going to um, want to include the player that you make a hockey trade for at the deadline here in March. So like you, you really don't make trades that aren't going to do anything other than potentially just recoup you assets for players that you've already committed to not re-signing regardless of who's leading your team, whether that's Yarmulke Linen or insert general manager here. And so that's, I think your focus for the trade deadline. Now, I think that that means that, you try your hardest to make sure that you have somebody in place and they will, like they're not going to go into the draft and all that kind of stuff without, uh, you know, somebody in place. It'll be, what'll be interesting is seeing like how some of the different departments of scouting and like all that kind of stuff, like shake out and see if, you know, if you're on does get another GM job, if he takes any of those people or, you know, even if he doesn't get another GM job, you know, if, you know, whoever comes in, if they want to clean out some of that, GMs or some of that scouting staff and they want to replace them with their own. Like it's going to be interesting to see how this affects the draft in that context. But you know, anything in terms of a hockey trade or things like that, like that's at the earliest, I think going to happen around the draft and everything else you're looking at strictly asset management and anything else I think is potentially irresponsible, but you know, John Davidson also isn't stupid. Uh, and if, there's a deal that comes to the table of this regime, uh, whoever, I mean, I don't know whose desk you would say it is, but whatever regime, uh, and it's a good trade and, and the collective thinks it's a good trade, then I think they'll do it. It's just a matter of I uh, that deal's just got to be a good one. And, you know, maybe with Yarmo no longer at the table, maybe some of those, you know, do not disturb uh you know, call logs are changing and maybe maybe some teams that haven't called Columbus in a while because they're not fond of the bald man. Maybe they've changed changed their course a little bit. So we'll see. But Laura, do you have any other thoughts on on Yarmulkekalainen before we move on to some any other thoughts? I mean, obviously, like we've got a lot of time to talk about who's going to be the next general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. But Obviously, I agree with you. It was time to make a change. You could argue that it was it has been time, but now was the time that the Blue Jackets chose to make a change. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, I guess let's end with this. Like, what do you think his legacy is? Like, what do you think Jarmo Kukalainen's legacy is here in Columbus? Like, when it's all said and done, 
what is he remembered for? Well, and that's that's the thing. And you mentioned that this in the in the tweet that we posted this morning, um, which is that you can't discredit Yarm. Like you may be upset with him right now, and you may not have liked how he's handled things, you know, the last year or so. But like you cannot discredit the work that he has done and the things that he has accomplished um, in his tutelage with the Columbus Blue Jackets and the how he has supported this team and supported this city um in a really really powerful way like um and i of course came in like basically halfway through um him being the general manager um but from what i understand like he will probably best be known for the artemi panarin situation with the blackhawks but then also kind of be known for letting Artemi Panarin slip through our fingers <laughs> when he did leave. Um, but, you know, he's been a part of so many, I think it's like 251 contracts is what you, you sent on that um, stat mm-hmm. sheet. Yeah. Um, you know, 251 people that have made some sort of impact uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And that's just so many people. And like so many, you know, people, so many of your favorite players have come out of this. And like I sent you this tweet earlier today about, you know, that the players were told this morning, just like everybody else, um, and that a lot of them were in shock because, you know, Yarmo drafted them. Mm-hmm. Like Yarmo brought them into Columbus and, um, you know, a lot of them felt uh, a level of responsibility for, for this situation, um, which I'm sure that does play some sort of part their performance on the ice. But um, I don't think that they weren't counting a whole bunch of other things, too. So, um, yeah, I don't know much of the specifics, but I'm just going to say that his legacy will be how hard he fought for Columbus and how hard he fought to make this team relevant. Um, and for a brief moment, a potential contender. I mean, I think I would say that his legacy will be that he will be the man responsible for drafting a lot of the pieces that get us to, the most successful era of Blue Jackets hockey, whether that's a Stanley Cup or not, but I think what you would consider to be the most successful era, which will be the next five to seven years. Um, And that can't go unspoken for. But then I would also say that, you know, he's also somebody who, when push comes to shove, is going to probably have to be remembered as being somebody who didn't know when something had run its course and not knowing when to hit the eject button. And I think that that is a central theme of, of, of the whole, of the whole tenure, right? Whether that's, you know, um, 
you know, making trades prior to signing Pierre-Luc Dubois out of fear of getting offer sheeted for him. And so needing to make sure you have the space to match an offer sheet and not be backed into a corner only to then have to trade him anyway, because he didn't want to be there or, you know, even so far as to sign Johnny Goudreau because the opportunity presented itself without the thinking about the ramifications of then having to trade away players like Oliver Bjorkstrand or, you know, whoever else in order to make that happen. But, you know, of course, I, I mean, that is what it is. Um, and I think holding on to players for maybe a little bit too long and, you know, holding on maybe to some experiments for a little bit too long and, Maybe, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, like I said, the, the main legacy is that, again, he is responsible for drafting the per, the players that helped Columbus lift their first Stanley Cup and, and players like Adam Fantilli and, and David Juracek and T- Denton Matejchuk and, you know, the like in that regard, you know, Ken Johnson, Cole Sillinger. But we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. And, you know, obviously things are fresh and we'll continue to talk about the legacy of and as as time progresses and as we learn more but Laura obviously you know the sport of hockey is we we get a chance to talk about what happens on the ice quite a bit and and I think you and I love to be able to do that but you and I also really think it's important to always talk about the things that are happening off of the ice and you know I think that it's always hard for us to to decide how we're going to like touch on certain things because of the proximity to it or or what have you but obviously, like, I think it's important to touch on just some news that made, you know, national news really over the course of the last few days. And that was comments that were made, um, you know, at the expense of Patrick Lyonne, um in relation to his being a part of the player assistance program um, through the NHL Players Association and the NHL. And, Uh, You know, I don't really know where to start with this whole thing, Laura. You know, I think obviously, you know, the moral of the story here is that I am grateful that we are a part of a community that has come together in in an effort to support a player. And Johnny Goudreau has done the same. um, And that is to support a player who has not been shy about speaking up on the, um, you know, struggles that, he has had with mental health and ensuring that he um, can be play a role in, in destigmatizing um, finding access to mental health, especially for men, you know, because I, you know, speaking as somebody who, you know, identifies as a man and, you know, struggles with his own mental health from time to time and, you know, accesses things like therapy and, and, you know, different, you know, medications and, you know, I work with college age students who struggle with some of the same things, right? Like, I mean, like I know just how, how stigmatized the conversation around men's mental health is. Um, so I think the, the moral of the story here that I, I can say I am happy about is that regardless of anything, um, the intersection of identity, it didn't matter really. It seemed like everybody was kind of on the same page that the things that were said at Patrick Line's expense were wrong, um, that there was no place for it, and that, above all, it was important to demonstrate love and kindness to try in an attempt to try to drown out any words of hate and, and nastiness. And so 
Um, you know, Laura, just what were your thoughts on, on the way all of this has kind of just transpired over the course of the last couple of days? Obviously, you know, it was, it was big news and it's wild to see it happen, but it's also, I think, wild to be a part of a community that stands up to, to this kind of stuff and, and really makes a difference whenever it happens. Yeah, um, it was definitely something that, again, we would we were not anticipating um, dealing with this week. Uh, we won't go into what was said. You can find it on your own. It's been out there. Um, and the, heart, the heartbreaking part of this is that Patrick was made aware of what was said and spoke publicly while briefly spoke publicly um, about how inappropriate he felt it was. And, um, you know, that's, that's the point where I think people get lost in this world of social media um, and get lost in the world of like any sort of platform that they may have is that you're not just talking into the void. Like you're not just, you know, recording something and putting it in a box and no one ever is going to see it, or you're not just writing something out and, you know, saving it in a file and no one will ever see it. Like this stuff is going out to anyone who's willing to listen to it. Um, and that's something that for us, we take very seriously. Like we don't try, we don't really censor ourselves um, we try and be as um, upfront and natural and who we truly are as we can on the show. Um, but within the parameters of being respectful and kind and understanding and wanting to be an example for other people. Um, and so it was really really moving to see this community come together, um, you know, after Patrick's acknowledgement of the comments to try and make something positive out of this really terrible situation. Um, and that was to organize the, the 29 for 29 secondary campaign um, where funds were donated to Patrick's um, mental health initiative through the Columbus Blue Jackets Foundation uh, where up until he up until his injury um, and going into the player assistance program, he was donating a thousand dollars per point um, that he received to this foundation um, to help with, like Jeremy said, you know, resources uh, for men's mental health um, and well-being all across Central Ohio. Um, and within like 24 hours. Um, it was reported that there had been well over 200 donations and um, over which resulted in over $10,000, um, which is just incredible um, to just, especially because it was kind of insular to like the Twitter X world um, until it got picked up by national um, broadcasting. So to have that happen sort of overnight was just so inspiring. Um, and we know it sort of played a role in the next day where Johnny Gaudreau announced, um, that he would be stepping in for Patrick, 
um, and continuing his efforts throughout the rest of the season and will now be donating a thousand dollars per point um, that he receives. And if you haven't seen it, um, there's a great interview with Johnny um, in the locker room after the game the other night where they're asking why he has decided to do this. And, you know, it's such a great thing to see when they can truly support and openly like be friends with each other. And you could see that in Johnny's eyes and you could hear that in his reasoning for why he wanted to do this. Um, And that they just really want Patrick to be back and have Patrick be the healthiest version of himself that he can be. Um, So, yeah. So out of all of, out of all of the chaos, um, we were all somehow able to bring a little light to the situation. Um, and that I think is the most important part, but it was wild. Absolutely well, wild. And I mean, like, and this gets lost on people. And I know we've talked about it in one way or another multiple times about Patrick Line. Um, <clears throat> you know, just like in our coverage of him as a player and as a person, this is a guy who, you know, when he was 18 years old, like this, like he was somebody who it was clear he was going to be drafted at the top of the draft. Like he was not going to, you know, be Austin Matthews. Right. But he was going to be drafted at the top of the draft and, you know, he goes second overall to Winnipeg and, you know, 18 years old moves from Finland to America or no, excuse me, to, to North America and specifically to Winnipeg and is, you know, I, I believe had family with him in the move, but still to just have to adjust to life in North America and go through all of that. And then to, you know, be in a locker room that didn't feel overly positive from everything that you hear, like, you know what I mean? Like we can speculate all we want, but that's like what we we've heard. And to then be in a situation where you lose your father uh, and, you know, I'm like, if you're, if you're new here, you know, I'm coming from somebody like Patrick Lina and I are not very, very different in age. And I lost my mom when I was 22. And I mean, I can't tell you guys like that affects me still to this day, like in a, in a profound and it always will. Yeah. I mean like that is just like a life changing event. And to act like that's a, a non like contributor to um, mental health and, and just like everyday life, like would be just ignorant as all hell and, and all of the other things that go along with this. And then you take into account, right? Like this is also a guy who opens his home to an 18, 19 year old and, you know, does everything he can to make sure that that kid feels like he's got a place to exist and belong. And, because probably like he didn't know like if he felt like he had that and I don't know like that that's just a stand-up dude and I just hate that of all those people like and nobody should ever feel that and nobody should ever hear what he had to hear from anybody let alone people like us who think that we have something to say like like it, it's two things are true at once right like about us as podcasters especially as like fan podcasters right it's like one, the fact that we think we have the audacity to do this is fucking insane. Like truly like 
the fact that we think we have any right to be here is talk on a microphone and people listen to it is is nuts. Yeah, anyone who's met me in real life knows that I do not. Yeah, I mean that that is a big statement for another reason, but like, <laughs> but the other part of it, which is the opposite statement, but it's just as true, is like there's a responsibility there too, and you alluded to it, and it's it's that like these words matter. And I think that we're always really intentional about what we say. And I don't think we censor ourselves either, but like, I think that this is why we always encourage people to be so intentional about prioritizing players as people first and trying to like center that at, at, at everything that we talk about, because like, I like, again, like we're talking about people that we are not unfamiliar with like you know what i mean like that's the the part about this it's like just alarming like this is uh, this is not toronto right like we're not talking about a major media market we're talking about the columbus blue jackets and we're talking about fan podcasts like uh, we've met okay like this is not news to anybody like um and so i think that like navigating that is is challenging and um but at the same time, like I said, like, I think we all have a responsibility to just like try to be better and just try to make sure that we're like taking ownership of the way that we talk about some of this stuff because like it has impact. And I hate that you have to have that visual reminder of, of seeing Patrick Line respond to it to have that, that reminder, but it's a good one nonetheless. Um, and I think it's like true to not only just people like us who have a podcast that people listen to, but it's true of people who have a Twitter account that people follow. Like, I don't think people understand how many like people pay attention to people's Twitters. Like mm. it's, it's a real thing. Like that's not made up. Yeah, no, it's a very real thing. And um, so like your, your faves know, like that's the piece of it. Like, and again, like not because they they need to or because like it strokes an ego or whatever have you, but like because like they're people too, like and and you do the same shit, like right, like we all do as humans. Like you've googled yourself, you've googled yourself. Tell the truth, like I have, yes, right. Like who um, hasn't? But this just like points out to the silly thing that you and I do sometimes, whenever, particularly more so on Instagram when we'll post something on a story and someone of note will like like it or view it and like you know it's just because they're like <laughs> they're like laying on their bed scrolling through their phone on instagram like you know or whatever just like normal people um but I just the excitement that I normally get whenever I find it or you tell me those things where it's just like, yeah, that's what's happening. And they, and they do read them. Like they do read things and see things and like, they may not always acknowledge it, but they, and so do their families. Like a lot of people, especially like for professional athletes, like their families follow them and things that are written about them constantly. Mm -hmm. Like, they have Google alerts, they have, you know, whatever, because they're very proud and supportive of their kid yeah. um, or their family member. And so like people are reading the things that you put out there or listening to the things that you put out there. And, um, you know, we said it last week in when, when we thought we were done talking about Patrick entering the player assistance program, but just simply being, you know, 
think about yourself in that situation. Would you want a million people trying to figure out why you were having a hard time? Or would you want a million people trying to make assumptions about your life or things that you've been going through and, you know, pleading that you, you owe them something because you have a certain kind of job. Like that's not a thing. And Patrick is a real person. So it's important to remember to respect him and his privacy mm-hmm. and allow him to heal. Um, but I will say this small caveat is that well, so we're not going to speak directly about the incident. I will say that spreading hate to fight hate does not do anything. So being cruel to parties involved in this situation is not helpful. Um, It is not educating them. It is not, you know, it is not supporting the cause in the way that you think it is. So stop doing it. Um, And just focus your energies on bringing more positive than negative out of this situation. Um, Because hate's never going to cross out hate. Um, And it's just not... Don't do the same thing that you're mad at somebody else for doing. Like, just don't. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Don't stoke the flames. I think that ultimately, like, again, like the organic response, which was folks finding ways to give to the the cause, I think that that was the right approach. And my hope is that that continues. And I'm excited to see Johnny just tear it up these last 30 plus games of the season. Um, just absolutely raking in the points for Ohio Health and for that joint effort between him and Patty for men's mental health for Ohio Health. So, Laura, we've got to talk about some unconfirmed reports about an outdoor game in Columbus. Now, we're both giggling a little bit, and we're just going to like own this and be upfront and honest about this for a second here. So here's the piece of it we owe it to everybody and we truly believe this we're going to talk about things when we feel comfortable to talk about things and we're going to share what we know about things when we feel that what we know about things um feel confident like we feel confident enough in that to share it and know that we are not leading you astray or trying to take advantage of an emotion that people are feeling in order to, um, you know, bolster ourselves. And so for that reason, you know, we haven't really touched a lot on the outdoor game. You know, there's been a lot of, a lot of stuff going around about it. Um, a lot of people sources are sourcing and sourcing and sourcing and citing and sourcing. Um, and frankly, like we don't have a lot of time for that. Uh, you know, do we write every now and again? Sure we do. It's, are we journalists? I don't know that either one of us would go so far as to say that we, um, you know, would claim that to be something that we are. I think, you know, we, we know what we are. We know what our lane is. 
um, you know, we're, we're community folks with a voice, but, um, you know, we've got our intel as well. And, you know, we, when we see people doing some things that we think are pretty reckless, we stay out of it. And so that's what we did um, while some folks were talking about the outdoor game. And so um, all love to like, here's the piece, right? If you're listening to the show and you know what we're talking about, don't even worry about it. You know what's going on. Um, and all love to the people who, who were kind of in the same boat as us because we know we're not alone, but um, you know, I think that obviously any confirmed, unconfirmed, whatever have you, reports of the Blue Jackets hosting an outdoor game, it's going to gain a lot of attention from fans here in Columbus. It's been something that people have been looking forward to for a very, very long time, Laura. And the prospect of it happening against a team like the Detroit Red Wings in Ohio stadium might I add around a certain somebody's birthday in 2025. Who could that be? What a birthday game that might be. It might be the second out of three years that we're doing an outdoor birthday game, which is fascinating. Um, it is fascinating. Um, and I just need it to go better than the first one. Um, oh God, please. Yeah, no kidding. Um, although I will say everything other than the like, cancellation almost cancellation and like the walking part of the first one everything else is pretty great like that like club level seating that we had and then like that like free food and booze like that was nice yes that was very nice but the rest of it was like not great um yes well like the time at the bar was finally good when we got there yes after i had my moment in the of bathroom. course yes absolutely <laughs> wasn't gonna put you on blast off for the show but okay. you know, other than it's that fine. um but yeah so obviously like this is a, a big deal right and so um you know john butchagross had put it out there and and this is something and i think aaron portsline had put something out there as well uh from the athletic that this was again like still not like reportedly confirmed by the NHL, but apparently all signs are pointing toward it being confirmed during the stadium series games coming up here over the course of the next few days. So Laura, um, you know, obviously exciting stuff. What were your initial thoughts? Obviously again, like a lot of things, a lot of noise surrounding this. So, um, you know, you can give your thoughts about that if you want, but just, Outside of just that, also just your general thoughts about the fact that the Columbus Blue Jackets might be hosting an outdoor game. Well, first and foremost, I have a real problem with um, spoiler culture or like um, people who insist on like leaking or spoiling things before they're announced. Um mainly because I have been in roles before in my professional life where like you work so hard to get ready to like do something or promote something or like launch something. And then just some person like finds out or makes something up that like just really silly is the situation. And that happens a lot in hockey. Um, uh, it happens almost, it's happened almost every year that I've been a fan with the all-star jerseys. Someone always takes a picture of them in a warehouse and like leaks them two days before, and they're all wrinkly and like weird looking and, you know, takes a picture of them and, you know, two days before they were supposed to be released um, and all that sort of stuff. And it's just like something like this 
with it being not only the first time that the Blue Jackets will ever play an outdoor game, but it's like something that fans have wanted for so long and the potential that it has to be such a huge event. Um, it kind of like <laughs> made the reason why, one of the reasons why we haven't said anything is because I kind of wanted to celebrate it with the team and with the NHL making it official, like in shining a spotlight on the team. Um, because this, however you feel about it, it's an accomplishment that they are allowing this to be hosted here in Columbus, that Ohio State is wanting to partner with the Blue Jackets. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, we were talking with friends about it last night about whether or not we were going to say something. And I sort of, he was sleeping. So I spoke for both of us, but, um, you know, I just sort of said that we were going to wait because not that I don't love Bucci and not that I don't trust his information or whatever. Um, but I just sort of wanted to wait until like the team said something or the NHL themselves said something in a, in a very official capacity. And I had like, cause I have friends whose husbands are hockey players. So or not hockey players, but like hockey fans. And so they'll, they'll text me questions or ask me things. And so I got several different text messages yesterday that was like, is this legit? Are we actually having an outdoor game? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, kind of <laughs> like, you know, I would wait for the official team announcement, but um, yeah, that's just kind of how I felt about it. Like, obviously if it is happening, I'm going to be so excited and just cannot wait to have that experience. Um, the weather is going to be a real gamble, um, but it's just, it'll be so cool. But that's just kind of how I initially felt about it. It's just, I want to celebrate it with the team and that kind of stuff. And I think it's important that when that does happen and when it's officially announced, like I think we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to the team and we owe it to the city of Columbus to party as if we are hearing it for the first time. Um, and I, I do agree with you, like to some extent, like I think some of the, like the like fanfare is lost when it gets spoiled. Um, we live in a culture nowadays where like nothing gets announced anymore. Like everything is somehow spoiled and it's not just a hockey thing. It's an everything thing, right? Like you just think about like Taylor Swift and her, like the entire fan culture around Taylor Swift and like whether or not she's releasing this or this or that thing is happening. Like, right. Like she can't breathe without somebody knowing what's going on. And so that's just another example of it. Right. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things and like people are going to like, listen, like you call us whatever the fuck you want to call us. And I'm absolutely game for that. But um, I, my thing is right. Like I'm not a hater. Like I have no reason to, to be that. I think it's just a matter of, you know, this is potentially the biggest news to, uh, to happen in Columbus and you want to make sure you do it right. And you do it justice. And, uh, you want to make sure you do it right by the fans too. And we just want to make sure that we do it right by y'all the way we talk about it. And when we talk about it. And so we're excited to be able to talk about it. And our hope is that, you know, should it happen? Uh, and we're hoping that, you know, around this time next year, we're preparing for it to be happening, uh, that we'll be able to 
be a part of bringing you all some cool shit. And we're going to keep our fingers crossed for that. But, you know, and until then, you know, we're just, we're going to be here with y'all just waiting and, and seeing, but uh, you know, at least as far as we know, we're still waiting to hear firm confirmation that everything is good to go, but things are definitely looking a lot better this time uh, this week than they were this time last week. Uh, if you catch my drift. So Laura, I think that just about does it for our, for our lovely little chaos recap. Um, man, it really has been a week. Like as we're, as we're talking about it, I'm like, we could have done an hour on all three of these topics. Oh, for sure. We absolutely could have talked much longer on all three. And we didn't even like touch really on, and we don't have to like on Boone saying he doesn't want to be traded and like all that sort of stuff. Like, um, there's just a lot of stuff happening. Um, there is. Well, and maybe let's like, I feel like this is like me, like at the end of a corporate business meeting, if anybody who listens to us, like is in corporate, like you'll, you maybe resonate with what I'm about to do where I'm like, I kind of want us to like put a pit in this and be like, I would love, like, we should do like, uh, like, a, like, an like update? no, but I was going to say like a live, like, listen, like, or like a live, like, show because we haven't done i feel like a live show in a while we haven't done one at all this season yeah i feel like we should do one where we like just like have like a q a like kickback like as we go into like the trade deadline like all that kind of stuff could be my birthday show oh that could be fun that could be fun when's the deadline itself the eighth the eighth so it's the week okay so we have like some time okay okay i was like that feels like i was like is it around the same day i was like that could be rushing it but that actually feels not scary okay because if we if we do it the thursday before my birthday which is february 29th um then the following week would be the trade deadline that's not terrible all right. Well, hey, we're we're back from our business meeting, folks. How's it going? Um, Thank you for being a part of Subjectively <laughs> Speaking. Yeah, um, you're on the board. Future planning. You're on the board. You're on the board, everybody. Um, but well, the good news is that like when we do finally decide how we're going to be keeping up with you all, because we will be doing more of that here in the next coming weeks, because there will be, I'm sure plenty of content galore, because again, like again, there, there's a lot of things coming down the pike. Uh, we usually do start that conversation out on social media, namely Twitter slash X, whatever you're calling it these days. You can call it that, but we are pretty much calling it Twitter still. Um, and so Laura does this really lovely thing at the end of every episode where she tells all of our lovely listeners where they can find all of our stuff that isn't just listening to our episodes. And well, Laura, I think now is as good a time of any for you to do that and tell the good people where they can find us. Absolutely. You can follow our personal uh, Twitter accounts at ITR Jeremy and I'm at ITR Laura. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subjectively Pod. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at Subjectively Speaking. Uh, we do have a lovely website that you can visit that has all these links to all these things, as well as a little bit more fun information about Jeremy and I. So you can check that out. And then if you would like to uh, support your two favorite hockey podcasters and get some sweet merch in exchange, we do have a merch store at subjectivelymerch.com. One day we're going to add some new designs to it, but for right now there's some pretty sweet ones up there for you to peruse and you can kind of get them on a lot of different things. If you're not into shirts, there's mugs, like all that sort of stuff. So check it out. And then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. 
particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down and hit five stars. It is our favorite number. Um, and yeah, we don't know how the algorithm, the algorithms work. We just know that all of your likes and subscriptions and stars and comments, um, help to get us noticed in the hockey podcast charts and help us to bring more people to this lovely little community of ours. And so other than that, I just want to say a shout out to our two besties, Kyle and Danny, who have been going through it with us this week as all this stuff unfolded um, and our legendary group chat. We love you guys so much. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And until we get the chance to talk to you all next time, just please make sure that you take care of each other, take care of yourselves and enter into the Blue Jackets Twitterverse with your peril at risk just now like with blinders on is all i'm saying but um be well take care of yourselves and we will talk to you all this time next week bye